Welcome to Porcelain Peak, a strange and scary podcast covering all things horror and science fiction. So, like the British lady said, thank you, Constance, and we are Porcelain Peak. What's everybody doing today? Host, hosting a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we're all sitting in this room together. <laughs> I mean, this is very true, but like, how was your actual day, not like this exact moment? It was good. It was uh, cold. Like, actually cold for the first time, so that was tight. Yeah, it's been getting a little chilly in the mornings, that's for sure. I... Uh, didn't think that we would ever get to the point on our podcast where we talked about the fucking weather. I was just but... about to say, <laughs> welcome to the weather channel. <laughs> it's not the first time. Uh, probably not. But it does tend to, to get cold like right before Halloween around here. It's like we don't get that Halloween weather until right before Halloween. And then it's like, oh, by the way, uh, you're going to need thermals. And it's like, here's the weather where you would actually be comfortable outside wearing a mask. My day was good, though. Um, I worked. And that was about it. Worked and came here Same. to do more work. Same. Uh, today was my day off. I got to uh, wrap up some of our some of our watch stuff, plus do some things for myself. I got a little laundry done. You know, boring housewife stuff. <laughs> Passed out some of our stickers. Oh yeah, that you made us for Halloween, and people responded really well. Someone was like, "Hey, I have a cricket or some shit, and so I could do vinyl decals for your car if you want." And I was like, yeah. Yeah, do that yesterday. <laughs> Immediately. Well, I mean, that's exactly like, that's what we want from having the stickers in the first place is networking. Yeah. Like, and I've already been, seen a couple places, like, while I was out getting lunch where I was like, ooh, I could stick a sticker in this bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, I mean, we're going to dive into our final things on the uh, 31 Terror Ooh, Come on, do it with me, Anthony. It's our turn. Ooh. <laughs> So much gusto. That's I'm, your I, thing. So, that's not my thing. So I'm going to give you some notes. I'm going to say that since <laughs> I'm the one who created it, that you need to take it down a notch because you're stealing my thunder. All right. Take it again. <laughs> 31 Terror Tales. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But yeah, so um, we are going to be wrapping up with our final three movies. These are our uh, untouchable classics. Um, well, two of them specifically, and one of them is a a newer addition to like an every year type of watch situation. But Anthony actually came up with like a really nifty way of watching those that is super super easy to do and is uh, it de- it definitely adds a different layer to watching. You those watch movies. them in the nude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Completely naked. With a lit jack-o'-lantern next to me. (laughs) (laughs) For warmth. (laughs) And a knife. Just in case. Uh, But before some of that, we are going to uh, have a special guest on. And we're also going to talk about Lighthouse. We actually got to go see that over the weekend. And we have a lot of things to say about it. But before we do all that, let's jump into that news. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. So right off the bat, there's been a trailer that just started floating around this week. 
for a remake of The Grudge, and I don't know how I feel about it. A remake of the remake. Of The Grudge. <laughs> of the Grudge. So are they doing... So I haven't seen the trailer for this. All I know is that John Cho is in it, and that's exciting because I like him in most things that he's in. Um, I haven't seen the trailer. Is this supposed to be like they're doing the, oh, no, this is even more close to the original? It takes place in America, it looks like. And I think the last American remake still took place in Japan. Yeah. So I think it's further away from the original. But like you said, it has John Cho in it. And if anything could potentially be redeeming uh, for a remake of a remake. I think that he could potentially pull it off. The last thing I saw him in was Searching, Searching yeah. and he was incredible in that. Well, it looks like he they're pushing as him being the main star, but based on the trailer, it looks like the lady cop might be the actual star of the movie. So I was a little bit confused about that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it turns out. I'm sure it's something that we will end up watching. Uh, the one thing that does really jump out and scare me in this particular instance, more than the movie probably will, January release date. (laughs) Sam Sam Raimi's attached, which has been good and bad in the past, so we'll see what happens. I I enjoyed Crawl, and he was a producer on that. Right, but then Poltergeist was kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. But then the Evil Dead remake (laughs) was great. Yeah, so hit or miss with the producing. (laughs) Um, I just answered a question that I had as soon as uh, I brought up the fact that John Cho was in this movie, and Anthony, you said that they were just trying to win some points by having an Asian actor. My question was, is he Japanese, as the original movie is set in Japan? No, John Cho is Korean. Oh, rough. Rough sell. So I don't know if that makes the decision worse. (laughs) It's like, throw an Asian guy in there. (laughs) (laughs) So it ties to the original. I know, right? So you've you've heard it here first. Uh, The Grudge? Asian washing? (laughs) (laughs) There was a part in the trailer, too. They they recreated some of the scenes, but did them, like, backward. Like, there's a, in the original, I think, there's a part where a hand, like, creeps up. Mm-hmm. And so then John shows in the shower. And you're like, okay, here comes the hand, but then it comes up from the top. <laughs> it's like, just, it looks like it, it looks like almost like it comes whoa. out of like out of his hair. It's well, different. <laughs> it's just like on YouTube where they have to mirror so they don't get copyright. That's what they're doing. They're just they're just mirroring it for so they avoid a copyright claim. Showering on the ceiling. Yeah. All right. So uh, um, a piece of news that I have is that Ridley Scott is making a show, and it's called Raised by Wolves. And it was supposed to be on TNT, but now it's jumping to HBO Max, which is their, like, their more original content service. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about HBO Max. I hadn't heard about this particular uh, particular thing. I just have one question. What happens when those uh, when those wolves t- turn uh, 13? They're going to have a werewolf puppet. Werewolf puppet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's apparently about... Androids that are raising kids, and then they have to deal with the political issues of how shitty humans are, and I guess it goes into religious aspects of it, and I heard it's pretty good. Mm. It has the writer and actual creator and showrunner of it is the guy that wrote Prisoners. Oh, nice. Yeah, Yeah. so Scott's directing, I think, the whole series. So I feel like that would probably be a cool pairing. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, how androids react to teenagers going through puberty. Yeah, puberty, (laughs) man. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of short circuit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I just have a couple of little pieces of news. My first is that uh, Damien Leone, Leone, uh, the guy behind uh, All Hallows Eve and the Terrifier film, he released an image of Art the Clown from the new Terrifier, which is set to come out October time next year. Um, So obviously 
they're really pushing to make Art the Clown this horror icon by having it be an ongoing series, no matter how well respected it ends up being at the end of the day. They're just trying to get, it seems like, that image out. Um, so I don't know with your guys' feelings on All Hallows Eve, how you feel about I mean, I know I haven't seen Terrifier, so I can't speak too much to I heard that it was actually better than All Hallows Eve. Probably because it has more of the clown, which was the best part of that movie. I watched some of Terrifier and then it started to drag and so I turned it off and it had only been like thirty minutes or something. <laughs> <laughs> so. I have actually heard things good things about Terrifier and that uh, it it pops up on a lot of lists of like, oh, good horror movies you probably haven't seen. Yeah. It pops up on a lot of those lists. I'd be checking it out, though. Is it called The New Terrifier? Um, well, yeah, it's Terrifier 2. <laughs> <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Uh, what other thing before we end? It's called Terrifier in- H2O. <laughs> <laughs> before we end the news is apparently there's a new movie on Netflix. And I feel like this happens every other week where it's scaring the shit out of people. Oh, yeah. And it's called Within. And it's supposed to be, I think it's from like 2016 or something. And it's like a paranormal activity haunted house type movie. And there's been people that are like, sleep with the lights on. Watch it with the lights on. I do that already because I forget to turn them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, when when somebody says, oh, yeah, uh, here's a shot of like the audience freaking out while they're watching a movie. Or you better sleep with the lights on because you're going to be scared. That shit, like, it... It instantly makes me think, oh, this movie's not going to be scary at all. Yeah. It, it, I mean, Countdown had the the classic, like, green lit night vision. Like, it's so scary that people are jumping in their seats. and like, <laughs> pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Did that come and pass already? Did we? It is out. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Had a very short timer. So I actually did have one quick other bit of news because we were talking about John Cho. I actually read recently. Um, so he, I don't know who knows, is um, the lead actor for the netflix cowboy bebop show Mm, the live action cowboy bebop nice yeah so he'll be playing spike problem is he actually just had a foot injury um a couple days ago Oh bummer! and they're actually pushing the production of the show out about nine months honestly i'm gonna say that's a good thing i think that with as tumultuous as the process of making live action versions of anything anime or manga related, the fact that they're willing to like stick with their guns and with the person they pick to be the star, I think that's definitely something where waiting their time out and making sure that they have the right person at the helmet, basically who is the star of that show, I think that that's the best move. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting news since we were talking about him with The Grudge. Um, sounds like he'll be out of commission for a little bit. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for news this week. So we will go ahead and hop into that trivia. Trivia! I feel like I'm carrying this whole episode. Yeah, you're... <laughs> you got to jump in. You got to fill in the that's gaps. That's your thing, though. I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to be you. Here's how we play. I ask a question. If you get it right, Steve lives. Come on, it'll be fun. All right, so not only are we going to do our normal Pass the Popcorn Thrills and Chills trivia, we are also going to be joined by a guest. Ashley, how are you doing? It's going good. I'm excited to be here. Longtime fan. <laughs> Longtime listener, first time caller? Yeah. We had one of those recently. <laughs> I wasn't here for it, though. <laughs> Oh, this is really good. Okay. So, Ashley, since you're joining us for trivia, 
we go on a point test. Yeah, I mean, you fucking know you listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I actually don't listen to it. I just play it and just like leave it to the side. <laughs> That's perfect. That's all we want. So, yeah. thank you. Your first card is from a 2004 comedy, and your clue is a quote, which is, "Come and get it. It's a running buffet." I'm gonna go for another clue. Okay, another clue. Simon Pegg as Sean oh and Nick God. Frost as Ed. Wow. It's, I obviously hate this movie, but it's uh, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> For those who are un- uninitiated, this is her favorite movie of all time. So, John, yours is going to be a 2001 thriller. And uh, the quote is, why are you wearing that stupid man suit? That's going to be Donnie Darko. Oh, that is correct. All right, four points for John. All right, Anthony, Tone. I have a 1991 comedy. We danced the mamushka while Nero fiddled. We danced the mamushka at Waterloo. Adam's family. I was about to say, that is correct. You just talked about watching this in one of our watch lists. (laughs) 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 That's, That's another four points. Pressure's on, nerds. Pays to always be watching shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. A, B. W. <laughs> w, S. A, B, W, S. Always be watching shit. Which we did a lot this month. We yeah, watched a lot, a lot of, of shit. shit. Fucking story. All right. You got a 1985 horror, and I almost just read the answer. <laughs> 1985 horror, your quote is, you don't scare me, freak. Underneath all that hair, you're still a dork, Scott. Teen Wolf. You got it, dude. All right, Ashley, you got a 1975 comedy, and your quote is a song this time, and the song quote is, let's do the time warp again. Um... I think it might be the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Wrong. <laughs> it's Perks to be in a Wallflower. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no, that's four points. It's for a Shaun of, of the seven. Dead again. <laughs> Twice. All right, Ashley, you're at seven. Okay, so yours is a 2007 thriller. Ooh. And the quote is, I'm not a cowboy, Pam. I'm a stuntman. I'm going to go ahead and take another clue. Uh, it is Kurt Russell as Stuntman and Mike uh, Fuck, I Jungle Julia. I had the other half of this already. It's um, it's it's Death Proof uh, from Grindhouse, which I I had the you, other one. You had um, Planetary. Planetary, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just Death Proof. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that makes it a tie game. Oh shit! You're not out yet, Ash. Ooh. I think we might be okay. All right, we have a 1991 fantasy. Thanks for the fucking vote of confidence. (laughs) I know, right? I guess it's about time for our William Tell routine. I think I'm going to have to go for another clue on this one. Peter Weller as Exterminator William Lee. I'm definitely thinking of the wrong movie. Yeah, I don't know. A giant talking bug tells a man he needs to kill his wife because she is an enemy agent. Am I going to be mad when I don't get this one? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't, I don't know. You want the story? Sure. An exterminator experiments with bug spray as a drug and begins a surreal journey. 
whatever the fuck this is, we definitely got to watch it. I know. It sounds <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Do you want to try to steal? No. If you have any idea what it potentially might be, go ahead and hit us up on Instagram with the answer. We might have a tie on our hands unless I can keep my crown. Come on. We better get a tie so we can get a knife fight. Scream again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You got a 1981 comedy and your quote is, I will not be threatened by a walking meatloaf. You got to do it. Otherwise, you're going to completely drop the volume and be out of the running. Uh, Yeah, I'm at a loss. So go ahead and give me the next clue. Your characters are going to be Werewolf David Kessler, Nurse Alex Price. An American werewolf in London. You got it. Yes. So this is where you guys have to say it yeah. as soon as I finish. So I'm going to say stop. <laughs> <laughs> Full stop. All right. You guys have a 2005 science fiction film. Your quote is, this is not a war any more than there's a war between men and maggots. This is an extermination. War of the Worlds. Yep. I was waiting for him to say stop. Do I have to do it again because I didn't say stop? No. He was clearly done. But I, he said he was going to say stop. I didn't want him to And this is lore. <laughs> I'll go ahead and concede. I'm, I don't want it to go on any longer than it has to. Congrats, Anthony, on your back-to-back wins. If you enjoyed that trivia and that news, uh, go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe button. Yeah. <laughs> hit hey. the subscribe button. <laughs> no, you. No, you. D- does anybody else besides you and I know about the describe button? I don't know. <laughs> so you can hit that button; and it'll tell you all about it. <laughs> the best button <laughs> you ever see something and you think man i wish there was a button that would tell me more about that <laughs> now we make the describe button so if you enjoyed that news and that trivia go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you never miss out on anything but next let's get into that main dish i know this steak doesn't exist i know that when i put it in my mouth the matrix is telling my brain that it is Juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know what I realize? Ignorance is bliss. All right, so before we hop into those 31 terror tales, we're going to go ahead and talk about The Lighthouse which has been just lighting up the festival scene all year. And it actually came nearby us. We thought we were going to have to drive like over an hour to go see it. And it actually came right in our backyard. So how does everybody feel about it? I'll start out by saying that um, I was extremely excited about this movie. I The Witch was an interesting journey for me. And I, I think uh, Anthony and I saw it together. Uh, we kind of both walked out of it a little bit iffy about the movie Mm. Uh, i remember walking out and because i didn't know the style like what to expect from robert eggers i did not know what i was getting into which was such a nice way to go into this movie which was knowing that now i love the witch after having re-seen it know what his style of you know kind of auteur period piece uh weirdness and, and kind of a slow burn what that what to expect when i went into lighthouse I think helped a lot because this movie I think definitely goes even further off the rails in a lot of ways while being a smaller picture 
it, it kind of contradicts itself in that way. Yeah, I was expecting a longer runtime based on just his previous works. And it was, they kept it pretty tight in that regard. It was, what, two hours just shy of? Which yeah. definitely was not quite what I expected. But I I loved that they used a different aspect ratio. I loved the black and white. And I loved how how much they were able to do with the imagery through that. Yeah, I was really um, attracted to the cine- cinematography, um, especially being a photographer and um, I love black and white. So I actually was reading a Vulture article and um, they actually used um, camera lenses from like 1901 oh, to 1930s. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I had heard that too in an interview with Eggers. He was talking about how not only did they use older lenses, but they also went through and tried to reproduce through, they have to do it through filtering now because the type of film doesn't exist, but they wanted to replicate film from like the early days of film in that black and white style, which is something that stood out to me where having just seen something like a thirties movie, like Dracula, having just seen that on the big screen, I thought was a really nice companion to going in and seeing this movie, which also has the boxy aspect ratio, the black and white, where there's these huge swaths of gray Um, just like when you're looking out into the ocean and it really takes things like blood or, uh, makeup on the actors faces, especially with those two guys with, you know, Hollywood's best cheekbones (laughs) (laughs) or scariest cheekbones in Willem Dafoe's case. But you get, you know, even just a little bit of blood or a little bit of something on those guys in that movie. And, uh, and and there's a, there's a little bit of something, uh, getting on people in in this movie. I'll tell you that. A little bit. Yeah, but it really stands out, and it's really, really vibrant for a black and white movie. What was the the line that Defoe said about the beard? Oh, um, I guess Defoe had a um, a beard from when he was playing Vincent Van Gogh, and when Robert Eggers was offering him the part, because I guess um, Defoe had actually approached him after seeing The Witch, and had mm-hmm. said, "Hey, whatever you're doing next, I want to work with you." And same with Robert Pattinson, and, and Pattinson was just like, "The only way I'll do it is if it's a challenging role." So I guess he originally offered Pattinson a different role in a different movie that he was working on where he was going to play like a cigar smoking kind of like Italian mobster type dude. And he was like, nope, not challenging enough. And then Eggers handed him the the screenplay for The Lighthouse and was like, does this sound weird enough for you? Um, but yeah, he came in and uh, Defoe came in and he had that beard and he was like, I got to shave it for a play that I'm doing. And Eggers was like, please don't. I need like the salty sea dog thing. And he was like, don't worry, I can grow the, the beard of a sea god in two months. <laughs> and Edgar said Defoe did not disappoint, and I, I can agree seeing the movie. I can attest to that. Substantial. Also, the, uh, the, old, the old duster on, on Robert Pattinson wasn't bad either. The mustache it was a, definitely a weird look. Uh, that's been kind of how his roles have been basically since Twilight was – oh, I'm going to be Hollywood's chameleon now. I'm going to look different in every single role that I'm in. And I appreciate that. And I hope that uh, I hope that he's able to carry some of this success that he's getting now into something like Batman. Yeah, I, just, I don't think people give him enough credit, especially being beginning out in Twilight. But um, I've been following his career after Twilight, and he's been doing really awesome movies. Cosmopolis, uh, Life good times like he's a really he's a tremendous actor yeah definitely underrated didn't you say he uh jerks off a lot uh (laughs) (laughs) that was my fun fact yeah i mean i've heard lots of stuff about robert pattinson but i mean he he uh (laughs) you know just in general but he um 
he gets up to a lot in this movie. Um, there's a lot of uh, unexpected flatulence, masturbation, um, s- stuff that kind of without having to go out of its way makes you uncomfortable yeah. to, to see yeah. that on, on screen. And um, so outside of the weirdness of the story, which, by the way, I mean, I guess I can get to a, a point at some point after I ramble on for too much. <laughs> I, I loved the movie. I thought it was great. Uh, it definitely felt like something in a much different direction than the witch while still having that same kind of like folktale blood throughout it. Yeah. The attached to mythology and all that. Yeah. Stuff. And you can tell that he goes, Eggers goes for, and he wrote this with his brother. And, um, I guess he kind of like co-opts the idea from his brother. Cause his brother was just like haunted lighthouse. And then they kind of decided to go from there, but he knows how to build atmosphere in a movie and he knows that and they know how to write dialogue and they had the opportunity this time around to do a two-hander with two amazing actors. I mean, we just talked about Robert Pattinson, but Willem Dafoe, like, I I've, I grew up with him since God's, seeing him in Spider-Man. Godspeed, Spider-Man. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> so seeing them just really knock it out of the park, I mean, I don't know if we can even talk about Oscar buzz, but at least with things like, you know, Sundance and with film festivals, this is a movie that's had a lot of traction and I see it advertised like crazy on my social media. So I think that it'll have a a halfway decent turnout. And if people like it as much as the witch, I think it'll have uh, a pretty good lifespan. I actually just rewatched the witch last night after seeing the lighthouse because I wanted to go back and, and kind of compare the two. One thing that John and I had talked about, I don't think you and I had a chance to talk about it, but some of the film style, the way that the, camera moved and the way it was shot reminded me of if Wes Anderson had made a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has a lot of those like symmetrical shots and the right. way the cameras pan, it moves very similarly similarly to the way that Wes moves the camera. And that could be a benefit or a detriment depending on what camp you're in because Wes Anderson is a very divisive filmmaker I've found. You know, most Big time audiences are not a fan, and most critical audiences really enjoy his work. Uh, but I felt like this—I don't know if this was necessarily an influence or if this was something that just worked well for that particular instance with this film. Well, I think it has to do with the style that Wes goes for, and it just worked with a style where it's like an older time type of filming technique. And I think that those are just the same style. So I don't know if it was necessarily an influence or if they were both just trying to make movies that feel like that. Yeah. Well, and they're working in a small space. I think that could be, I mean, not Wes Anderson especially, but his stuff tends to feel like it's operating in small spaces. He's he's intimate with his filmmaking. Um, and, and I feel like because of the actual fact that they're filming in a smaller aspect ratio, that probably had a little bit to do with the type of camera moves they do because they probably have less track to move on, things like that, to keep it in that aspect ratio and have it still look good. This movie's definitely hard to put a pin in, though, as far as like a genre because it's not your typical horror fair obviously it has some very tense moments but i mean there are moments of levity and comedy like there it's not something where you can just say oh this is for sure one thing and this is what you're getting when you go in to see this film it's just in most instances if you sent 10 different people to go see this movie you're going to get 10 different reactions based on what they're into, what they were able to pull from the movie, because there's a lot going on, even just in the background, especially considering it's a movie that just has two people in it. You know, it's just two people going about their lives as, as wikis, you know, and it's, (laughs) (laughs) and it's a, uh, it's really hard to, to pinpoint. Yeah. There was some funny stuff like Anthony was mentioning with the flatulence and you get to see 
a few scenes of masturbation between I think both characters because I think at one point Willem Dafoe's like humping his bed, right? Yeah, well, and in the in the lighthouse. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Him, like putting his clothes back on. Right. So uh, that some of that stuff it, it does land comedically at times, especially with like the farting and shit. And yeah, I mean, it was funny, but at the same time, it's pretty realistic of the time and just that situation too, where it's like, yeah, like we're just two dudes. This is. And it's Willem Dafoe's house. Like, this is my house. I'm going to do what I need to do. If you got a fart, you got a fart. You know what I mean? So he's like, fuck it. Some of the shit he does in the lighthouse is a little weird, but, you know, outside of that. And if you were stuck alone for months by yourself, yeah, I mean, you'd probably rub one out. Yeah, I think the whole um, Willem Dafoe being like, this is my house was intentional because they actually did rehearsals. And Willem Dafoe is a stage actor. Compared to Rob, who's just a movie actor. So, Wilm felt comfortable doing the rehearsal and Rob didn't. So, they like that because it's in Rob's character's perspective. Mm -hmm. But Willem is the lighthouse. So, Hmm. I think they did a really good job of that. Yeah, the big thing that you can definitely tell with this movie is that it's super tense and you can see the power struggle between the two of them. And it's just constantly right under the surface and you're just waiting for it to break. And I think that that's where this movie shines the most is those really tense moments where it seems like they're, they're doing their best to try to get along, but you know that there's something that's just a little off at all times. And you're just waiting for something to break. That's the, like the entire point of the movie. You're waiting for that power struggle to finally succumb and you know become an actual thing it was for me it was one of those movies that after it was over i immediately wanted to rewatch it Mm -hmm. like knowing what to expect and knowing how it was going to go to try and pick more stuff out because i wanted to be immersed so i wasn't trying to think about anything else except what was happening on screen you know what i mean and so i wanted to go back and like okay that connects to that that connects to that it's kind of like with the witch like you have to watch that movie again you can't watch that movie one time well and and something that i uh, when i rewatched it last night found was super helpful um for me actually even better understanding the plot and pulling out some things is having subtitles on <laughs> i mean I, I you got to say that about um eggers films is that he tends to really love to do his dialogue period specific and period accurate so a lot of research goes into that and it's definitely very very interesting but I feel like you would get even more out of this movie if you knew what Willem Dafoe was saying, and he didn't <laughs> half the time. No way. And he didn't. And he didn't just sound like a pirate. Like, I, just, I always feel like a piece of shit when I have to turn English subtitles on in an English movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Godspeed, Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I was uh, talking to Silva, this movie kind of reminded me of Mother, where it's kind of that same like what the fuck is going on but it's so interesting that you can't like look away from it and i really loved mother and this i really loved the lighthouse too yeah i liked this a lot more than i liked mother but i felt the same walking out of mother where i was like okay if i watch that again right now i would enjoy it and i would pick more out of the movie and that's definitely how i felt about this especially starting to piece things together right after about uh, the mythology involved in the movie and and some of the things that some of the characters say earlier on that come back to be uh, either symbols or, or actual events that happened a little bit later on um, ended up being a reason why I wanted to immediately go back in and rewatch it. And I know that we've been talking about Robert Pattinson a lot and Willem Dafoe a lot, but shout out to them seagulls, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Those seagull actors, man. They don't get paid enough. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Must have had a stunt double for that one scene, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously. 
The only thing else I can add is that it's loosely based on a real event. It's called The Tragedy of the Smalls Lighthouse, and it's about two men named Thomas. I guess one of them kind of goes crazy and kills the other one and doesn't want anybody to think something fishy, fishy is going on, so he doesn't throw them in the sea. He builds a he doesn't, want, he doesn't want it to be fishy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> doesn't want them to be fishing them out. Um, so he builds a coffin, and then the winds are so bad that it ends up blowing the coffin to pieces. And so he kind of, like, puts it back together and ends up putting him on, on a shelf in, like, this hut. And then, again, the winds blow the coffin apart, and, like, you just, like, see the guy's hand, like, waving. So I thought that was kind of cool. Sounds like a scary story to tell in the dark. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that another thing that I don't think this movie's getting enough traction for is the score. Oh, yeah. The the music is excellent. Well-timed in the right places. Uh, It's not... not subtle where it doesn't need to be and super subtle and in the background when it does need to be. I think that Mark Corvin did an excellent job scoring the film, um, especially considering it's not anything that has any like licensed music because obviously it's meant to be super old times. Uh, it just it, it felt very period, very Eggers, and it definitely had that. It gave you the right emotions in the right moments, and those types of scores are always going to win for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Can't be a good horror score. So do we want to give this uh, a rating uh, from one to five uh, one-eyed seagulls? <laughs> one-eyed, one-eyed seagulls who ruin your life? I would say for me tentatively because I, I do got to no, see it No, he said ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? You double scored? <laughs> I would say four for now. I think it has the potential to be higher, but I got I to see it again to really pick it apart. Yeah, I'm for me... I definitely want to see it again, but I feel like I got enough from the first watch and from the performances and from the way that it was shot and from the beautiful music. I feel like for me, it's got to be a five. Yeah. And then for me, I'm, I'm leaning a a strong four to a light five. (laughs) (laughs) A 4.5 is what you're saying? Uh, 4.5. Ash? Um, I would definitely give it between a 4.5 and a five. Um, 4.75 <laughs> I would definitely recommend it if you're into art house films um, some people might not be into it but um, if you are then I definitely recommend it yeah yeah it's definitely okay. not something I would recommend to every single person that I ever watch movies with but like the crowd that we usually spend our time with I would definitely say like hey we should sit down and watch yeah, I was gonna say who, else, who the hell are you watching movies with John <laughs> the people in this Where room <laughs> Yeah, so if you like the slower burn stuff, then it's probably going to be right up your alley. If you were a fan of The Witch, then I would definitely recommend it. If you weren't a fan of The Witch, then you probably won't like this movie. Or, yeah. or even things like the like the Ari Aster films, or yeah. you know, if you're if you're a fan of movies that have a like a great artistic vision and are willing to take their time to build their story, I'm, you're all in. This movie is perfect for you. That's going to wrap it up for our discussion on The Lighthouse. Thank you for joining us, Ashley. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you guys for having me. It's been really fun, and you can cut all my stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> it's all staying in. <laughs> all right. So let's wrap up our 31 Terror Tales. <laughs> yeah, let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting delirious. All right. So for our final three movies, we watched Halloween. 1978, 
Trick or treat. <laughs> and it's Hall- still just pronounced trick or treat. Yeah, but I wanted to overpronounce the R. All right? Trick okay. or treat, right? matey. I'm in charge of the show today. <laughs> <laughs> trick or treat. <laughs> and uh, Halloween 2018, or Halloween Returns, as Anthony uh, affectionately That's refers to That's a better title. Yeah. If it was up to you, it would be called Arrival. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. It's true. Charles Fuck. <laughs> Halloween Arrival. <laughs> Halloween arrives. I'd fuck with it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I And John mentioned it earlier. I did a double feature. So I did watch Halloween and Halloween back to back. And yeah, I thought that was a great companion. I thought they worked really well together, obviously being sequels. And I loved it. But we could talk more about the original Halloween. I spent a lot of time this year staring at the leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they they, they shot in the summer, yeah. yeah. And if you notice all the foliage fo- foliage, <laughs> the foliage, all the foliage is just green. Like it's not fall yeah. at all, not even yeah. a little bit. And so I was just like, "Oh, yep, there's those leaves. They moved over here. Now they move these leaves over here, and nothing's even close to dead." <laughs> so I got a little bit distracted by that. But what I really do like about this movie is one that it still holds up. It's still great, mm-hmm. and there are parts of this movie that are still genuinely scary. I've seen it, I don't know how many times now. It's got to be in the in the triple digits easily. We watch it every year, you know yeah. what I mean? And it just is still scary. There's parts of it where I'm like, oh, yeah, this this is still creepy. Like It still gives me the chills, and it kind of gives me like the little ooh. Yeah. And uh, I love that about it. Well, and talk about, talk about a score, man. Uh, John Carpenter knows what the fuck he's doing uh, with weird electronic music. It just, he knows how to make something that is super creepy and catches you off guard and does its best to push your buttons, but also be beautifully haunting in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's definitely a piece where it's so iconic now that you hear it and you get creeped out. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's, it's a piece of music that gives you chills. It makes you want to look over your shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. And And that movie, I mean, there's a reason why I stayed up super late watching all the shitty sequels when I was a kid is because seeing the original Halloween had a huge impact toward my love of horror movies and i still like you were saying think that that movie is scary like i can't say that about all the sequels but that movie is is scary and and it the the way it builds up without wasting a bunch of time but it still is able to build that tension in a pretty short time frame in the, for that movie it's like just shy of an hour and a half i yeah. think yeah like like 120 or like an hour and 28 minutes another really good thing about it too is that michael seems a lot more human in the original like, you know, we get to see him driving around and being a weirdo. Yeah, it's like, who, it, who gave him a license? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody. And uh, and so that's really cool. And, like, he breaks into a store, which you don't really think of him being a burglar. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to break into the store real quick, grab some knives, maybe a mask. Well, he had, to, he had to steal and paint that William Shatner mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's not until the end where we kind of see him kind of get hurt a lot more and kind of become this sort of unstoppable boogeyman. But for the most Bobby of that Yaga. movie, yeah. <laughs> Burt Reynolds, <laughs> he, yeah, you know, and so it's like, okay, like we could still beat this guy. And then as he, the more and more that it goes on, he just becomes this force. And that really carries over into the 2018 version yeah. where he is a lot more unstoppable and a lot less human. Yeah. I mean, and I, I took a page out of your book because as soon as you mentioned, oh, this is dope as a double feature, I was like, fucking sign me up. So I watched trick-or-treat first and then i watched the halloween movies instead <laughs> um which i know i broke our rules but i i think that they work really well as a companion piece because you get to see the changes in the shape not specifically in michael because you don't really get to see a whole lot of michael other than him 
like screaming about being stabbed in the eye and having his mask off and all that shit, you know, uh, in the first one, you really don't get to see much of him. And I stumbled upon an internet discussion and I, and we'll probably leave some of the talk about this for when we talk about that specific movie, but about things that they would have done to have changed the 2018 movie. And there were some really weird and interesting things that I don't, I don't agree with, but that I wanted to bring to the group. So when we get into that, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that we could probably move on to Trick or Treat, but again, Halloween, I mean, without a pause, we 100% recommend it. I don't even need to hear it from you guys. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, I think I think it'll be, anyone who's listening to this probably knows all of the, tri- it's so second hat now, the, all the trivia and stuff, we could go into it, we could, you know, beat it like a rotten pumpkin into the ground, but mm. at the end of the day, it's a classic for a reason. Um, I definitely want to talk more about like uh, trick or treat or, and especially the new Halloween having revisited that. So um, trick or treat, I can start this one off because this movie is one of my all time favorites specifically for setting the tone of my Halloween. I, ever since I first saw this movie, it's been a tradition that my sister and I have still kept up of watching it together. You, and we usually try to time it for the couple days before Halloween. Because that's, to us, that, besides Halloween, I mean, that movie, even more, is just the epitome of all things the holiday. Um, it's, it's beyond being called Halloween. It, <laughs> it, it does everything else. And it's and I, I love it. I think it's great. It still holds up for me. Even though yeah, even though I've seen it 10 million times. I get more out of it every time I watch it. Yeah, so I hadn't heard of this for a long time. I didn't see it until we started living together. And I was like, whoa. You know, it kind of blew me away. And, and it's one of those weird anthology movies that doesn't do like here's just this story here's just this story here's just this story it's all wrapped in together and so repeat watching is great because you get to see oh shit there's that person that comes up later oh there's that person and then you're like wait what the fuck just happened to that guy and then you get to find out later and all that intertwining is great and it, it like you were saying it is the epitome of the holiday i mean we get every aspect there's werewolves there's vampires yeah, i was gonna I, I was hoping you were gonna start with something different so i could end it with a werewolf blood orgy because <laughs> yeah, that's that, what you want yeah but there's i mean there's jack-o'-lanterns there's stuff about the tradition there's a new like character you know what i mean like it has all the iconic stuff that you want in a halloween movie when you can tell it kills it because i mean they when i was at horror nights last year at universal um here in california it was trick-or-treat decked out they had the bus out front like when, oh, you first, when you first get in they had the That's bus tight. and it had all the kids on it and occasionally one of them would be a sam in costume and would come and get out of the bus and like follow you around they had that whole setup they had trick-or-treat stuff all over and then they had the trick-or-treat walkthrough which was kind of like a microcosm of all of the stories in the movie with sam like jumping out at you from different like little hidden places but i mean he's become iconic already my sister just carved her jack-o'-lantern last night with sam's face on it um and i know that there's one here with with sam's face yeah so i mean i think you did that one. yeah i did that one yeah well I mean, so but not if you do the unmasked face right the unmasked face is a little more complicated a little bit creepier um it's just a pumpkin you just have any pumpkins a sam face <laughs> <laughs> he's got some facial expressions what i will say about the movie although i think it's great and it's such a good time there's rarely a point in it that's very scary yeah that's true especially if you've seen it a hundred times like I have when I first watched it I thought the stuff with the the I mean the, the atmosphere with the school bus stuff yeah is exactly. is top notch like that that's terrifying the whole scene where she's telling the story about the school bus um and then the the actual like 
set design and the design of the creatures and things when that story starts to come mm-hmm. to a head terrified me the first time I saw it. Now I've seen it so many times and I know all the beats. I can quote the entire movie. It None of it creeps me out. But there were some parts of it when I first saw it that scared me. Mostly the stuff toward the end of the movie with the kids in the school bus and uh, Sam attacking the old guy in his house. Yeah. Um, which is still one of my favorite just balls to the wall Halloween movie scenes or just like uh, segments um, in an anthology. Well, even on this rewatch, the scene at the is it the rock quarry Mm-mm. that when they were like coming out of the mud or whatever that was i was like okay this is actually a little bit scary yeah so i think still it kind of holds up at least in that area yeah but the rest of it yeah not super scary it's just a good time i yeah. mean you guys are all all missing out on probably the scariest part of the movie and one of my favorite parts of the movie the cold open the cold open is one of the best parts of that film just the like like them walking up and you get to see kind of like everything in reverse order Quentin Tarantino style. You get to see them walk up and she's like, Oh, I'm lit. This pumpkin's not anymore or whatever. And fucking blows it out. And then fucking like, just like the creeping around through all the, uh, the decorations and getting like dragged out and all spun up with lights and stuff. It was just dope. Yeah. No, the opening's great. Yeah. It's one of the best openings in horror. Well, I think I, I want to talk about the opening opening, which is that the movie opens with a little, a uh, little like black and white Halloween um, PSA, <laughs> yeah. which always for me gets me, uh, it rockets me straight into the mood for Halloween. Six to, um, six to midnight. Yeah, six to, <laughs> six to midnight uh, for, the, for the jack-o'-lanterns. But um, yeah, when it's like, uh, always check your candy and never go out alone. And then it goes to the boom, then it's just a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. And immediately you're like, Halloween, boom. Nailed it. And then, yeah, and then it goes into the really cool following the kid's trick-or-treat bag as he's dragging it through the stories, basically. Yeah. He's had, like, the other trick-or-treaters run past him. Mm-hmm. It's tying in the whole thing. And that's what I love is that the movie, it has so many layers. Like, even the one kid, when they walk away from the teacher's party, he's like, Principal so-and-so was dressed as a hot dog, and he was butt-fucking, a blah, 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 blah. And then later, when you're with the werewolves, the guy in the in the hot dog costume rolls down the hill and he's, he was one of their victims. And I hadn't noticed that until this time around or little things like, especially, and then having the subtitles on this time, I caught little things, <laughs> but the kid who's the like Dracula kid on the school bus, he's counting numbers. And mm-hmm. I, in my head, I guess I had never registered that he's counting the addresses of the houses as they go by. And that's why he knows as soon as the bus driver takes the wrong turn, he knows wrong way, wrong way. And he starts freaking out because he's used to counting the addresses of every house to and from school. Mm-hmm. Um, and just little things like that where I was like, oh, it's such a cool detail that you I never picked up on. Dracula? He, or he's got like a little vampire mask on. So he's the, he's the count. <laughs> <laughs> out. Nailed it, dude. I think yeah. I'm like, yeah, out of here. That was a slam dunk. There's also some ties to famous movies, right? So uh, Anna Paquin's character is named Lori. That can't be a coincidence, right? Yeah. yeah. And then the kid with, that has like the teacher or principal dad, he looks fucking just like Chucky. Chucky. Right. My sister actually pointed out this time, I had never realized that he, with the red hair and the overalls and stuff, yeah. he looked exactly yeah. like Chucky. Um, I would say even Principal Wilkins might even be like an Annie Wilkes, like a misery uh, oh, yeah, reference, yeah. being like a, a psychopath sort of thing. Um, i trying to think of some other names in the movie. But yeah, there's a lot of that little stuff where you can tell that this movie was a love letter that we've unfortunately never gotten a, a follow-up to, a response to. Um, I Every year rumors come up about a trick-or-treat too and every year i feel like we get further away from it because now the director michael darty is 
doing he just just did the godzilla king of monsters Mm -hmm. so he's all in the big leagues now so i mean really we've gotten some comic book tie-ins and stuff which is another cool part of the movie that it has this whole wraparound creep show type it reminded me a lot of creep show yeah and that it has the the tie-in comic flourishes and but the movie's got a huge cult following and it's something that i always feel like my halloween is incomplete if i miss it and i think there's maybe been like one year in the past probably 10 or more years since I started watching it that I missed watching it before Halloween. I would only want a sequel if he was doing it still. And if he felt that he had the material to do it, not because he, there was pressure or because fans wanted it just because he was ready to do this project because that's his baby. You know what I mean? And so I want him to have a second baby. If that's what, <laughs> if that's what it takes, if I don't want ready, Yeah. I don't want anything rushed. Not just because he's like thrown together. Yeah. yeah. I almost think that it would work out better as a series rather than doing a, a movie. And have it still be intertwined or each yes. one be episodic? Trick have, or treat, have, the have next the, generation. Just have like have <laughs> each episode have its own individual stories, but have something overarching that ties them together. And then on top of that, also have like little little Easter eggs that hold them together when, you, when you're watching one episode. Like you'll see the people from the first episode or you'll notice people in the background who end up being in like the third episode. Like yeah. I think that that sort of thing is a little bit more modern. And I think that Definitely. that would work better for these types of audiences. And plus it gives you the ability to keep things super tight and make sure that your storytelling is good in each individual segment. Yeah. The only thing that I'd be worried about with something like that, cause I would super be down for that <clears throat> is that you don't always get the same writer and director for every episode. I know there's rare cases like with Mr. Robot, I think he takes care of every episode, Yeah, but that's not always the case with a lot of these shows. And so I wouldn't want someone to put their spin on something that he's done. You know what I mean? And I also, I mean, my my two things about that is that one, whenever, I mean, Trick or Treat is pretty tight. I don't think that there's, I, like, the werewolf storyline is probably my least favorite of the movie. But that doesn't mean that it's not, like, that it's worse than the others. I think that it's just. It's not like Al Hallows Eve while, while you get the center one is like markedly worse than the other two yeah i just feel like that's something that could happen if it ends up being dragged out into a tv show because this stays tight everything connects back and I like and, the and one. no i mean i like it it's just my least favorite of them and i but i don't feel like the movie would be the same without it is what i guess what i'm trying to say is that when they if they try to do a tv show they might try to overextend it and then you have stuff that really doesn't need to be there when in the movie it all felt like it needed to be there you yeah. drag it out then it's like well i could have gone you know it happened with the new Twilight Zone, too, where it's like, I could have gone without a few of those episodes, oh, even though yeah. they kind of tried to tie things to get together in the end. Of, you know, those shows, those seasons tend to be hit or miss. And then also, I would like to just have a trick-or-treat, too, to be able to pop in if it's good. And and I can add that to my list of, like, run-up movies, like, on, on the list. You know, I want to see it as a movie. I want to see it as him go back and do a little low-budget spook fest especially as iconic as sam has become now mm-hmm. it's crazy that he's got one outing you know what i mean like dude we need more sam yeah yeah he's we're, how are we getting terrifier too <laughs> and we're not and we're not getting more sam the new terrifier <laughs> new terrifier 52 so i mean yeah i mean if you can't tell already this is a 100 percent recommend from all of us yeah, yeah i mean the three that we chose for the end of this list like i said they are going to be recommends no matter what i don't think that's really the concern um, I think it's just it gives you your opportunity to end your October with a bang and with something that you know is tried and true and has been fully tested and vetted and is going to give you not only scares, but specifically the right mood setting to get you to the doorstep. Yeah, we had a very 
hit or miss month when it came to the movies that we chose. So we wanted to make sure that we went with some True, super solid picks. But there were some in that that we loved. Like yes. that I will be watching again. Yeah, yeah oh, I yeah. definitely don't feel like it was a waste at no. all. I mean, I guess, you know, doing a, a little retrospective on, on the month. I mean, we yeah, did... we can after we do Halloween. Yeah. 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 You want to do that? All right. So we'll hop into uh, Halloween Returns. Uh, which we are now going to call it, and we're going to like put in a letter writing campaign, change.org. Um, <laughs> they did it to Indiana Jones, I can do it to this shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that it, that going back and watching it for basically the second time, I really enjoyed it still. It definitely, watching it back to back with Halloween, it has so many little touches and connections that you wouldn't have picked up, and you can definitely tell that if anything, they were huge fans of this of the franchise and specifically of the original uh and that shows in the way that they made this movie and the part that i enjoyed the most about it last year and i think that's the part that's the prevailing thing for me now is that you get the lines really blurred between who's the monster and who is the victim and i think that that works really really well in this movie i don't think i would say monster versus victim i would say it more of like predator versus prey yeah you know what i mean because i, I don't think Lori's a monster no but she definitely is like on the attack mm-hmm. well yeah and i think it's like it's almost like between the two like when ferns between two <laughs> ferns yeah when when michael myers showed up or the shape showed up which i did appreciate that she does say that she saw the shape in mm-hmm. this movie you know little things like that that kind of tie it back to you know what it was kind of known as originally but um i think it's almost like in the first movie Michael Myers was just this unstoppable force that like swept through Lori's life and then was locked away. And she understood just from that encounter that she needed to become like an immovable object or like an equally unstoppable force in order to try to destroy him. And that's something that, that I liked that I wasn't expecting about this movie is that they do try to do something different with Michael to make him a little bit like he's supernatural without outright saying he's supernatural. They don't go as far as some of the sequels did with having him be from some satanic cult ritual thing. And there's all, you know, when the movies got really, really off the rails, this is more like he is pure evil and that makes him a force of nature and that there's some sort of like cosmic attraction between him and Lori that, outside of saying that Laurie is related to him, which obviously this movie retcons, which I was fine with, you do still kind of like my brother even asked. And that that was something that I had the kind of the privilege of doing when I watched it this time was I didn't watch it alone. I watched it with my younger brother and he loves the original Halloween. He just hasn't seen it as many times as I have. And going into this, he had never seen it. I'd seen it the one time back when it came out and he pointed out a lot of things that I thought were cool reversals or he would get scared at certain points or some of the ways the movie subverts your expectations in the beginning where it kills characters that you think are going to be the protagonists throughout the whole movie. I would just be like, oh, you know, maybe brush that aside and not really appreciate it for what it was. And my brother was one that goes like, they're dead already, you know, about certain characters or or like, oh, are, are, are Michael and Lori like. Like, why was he trying to kill Laurie in the first one in the first place? Like, what? And then it's like, I, this movie kind of tries to explain it a little bit. Kind of tries to to say, okay, well, they're somehow drawn to each other. And Laurie knows that. It's almost like they can sense each other with the force. Yeah. And Laurie's like, I sense a presence I haven't felt since and then Halloween 19. <laughs> since. And then just drags off. No, yeah. no actual finish to the sentence. I think that 
for me, the biggest fault of this movie is there are a lot of coincidences. You know, like Michael just happens to be able to stumble on upon Lori's house. And they just and he just happens to be able to find her granddaughter. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things that just happen. Well, they just somehow they somehow manage to make Haddonfield feel even smaller than it did in the first movie. Yeah. So there's just a lot of coincidences, and I was like, okay. And so you do have to suspend some disbelief, but he immediately goes to where everything is, where they all are. Well, and that's where you have to maybe say that's because they're somehow cosmically linked to each other. So right. he's going to find Lori and her family in this town full of trick-or-treaters running around. But even my brother was like, does, does nobody live in this town? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're right. You see like a few trick-or-treaters, but really there's just like nobody but Lori and her family. They try to, to kind of make it seem like he's just going and killing people. You know, when he first gets back to Haddonfield, we get a few scenes of him just plowing through houses. Which for no I loved. Reason. I was like, yeah. oh shit. Like when he just... Yeah, it's that cool tracking shot of him just going into a house, walking through, kills a person. Then he does it again at another house, kills a person. And you realize he's just going through houses on Halloween, just killing people. But then the movie can't keep that going for the entire thing. So then it has to start putting in little things to make it like... And then it gets just really a little bit too bonkers for me toward the end with the stuff with his doctor. which And and Laurie even saying, you're the new Loomis. Like That's a line in the movie. And right. yeah, and then him him being like the new Loomis, but there's a twist, and, um, that, and that's kind of see. I like so. that because it seemed like he's the reason that the bus crashed. Yes, right. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. They don't ever say that, but that's what it seemed like. And I was like, oh, that's smart. Because how did it crash all of a sudden? But maybe he had something to do with it, and I really like that aspect of it. It's also potentially how he found his how Michael found his way to Lori is that. He was being directed in that way by the doctor. But as far as that process goes, I wanted to bring up a couple of points. Like I said, I, I uh, saw somebody had posted a video on YouTube, and they had some really weird ideas that I didn't necessarily agree with, but I wanted to bring them up as discussion points. So um, first off, do you think that seeing old man Michael before actually having him get his mask back uh, potentially took away scares? No. No. I liked it because... While this movie does make him kind of supernatural and that he does get like shot or stabbed and he's he keeps walking, he's less human than he was in the first one. Right. Um, which I feel like is just a product of them making a movie in 2018 with that yeah. character. They can't avoid every single thing that that character has developed over time. Um, but seeing him without his mask, I thought it was cool because you see him without his mask briefly in the original. Well, and and all, it humanizes. And it, it shows he's a person. Yeah, he is also this weird force of nature or whatever, but he is a person. And seeing that he's aged, I mean, you see Lori old. Like, you also get to see, like, some of his scars and stuff, too, from their first encounter. Like, you see the stab mark on his neck from when he gets stabbed with the hanger. Well, um, and his eye is messed up. And yeah. I've seen some behind-the-scenes photos of the actor who played him where his eye was all glassy and scarred up from when he got stabbed. And the mask reflects that, too. I watched a video about the development of the mask throughout all the movies. And that's what they tried to do in this movie is show stains and damage from where he would have bled or been stabbed from the original movie. And that's how they tried to wear the mask. When I think, too, to counter that stupid point is that that we don't see his whole face. No. We we... see, like, the smallest amount. I don't even know if you get a full eye. No. You right, know. so I, to me that adds to it because it's like, dude, like I want to see this fucking guy's face. Well, you still I don't get it. Well, and that scene is one of the scariest scenes in the movie because it's like, like the moment the mask is brought out, like everything at that hospital just goes to fucking shit. 
fucking dogs barking, people screaming. Like it's it's a legitimately like you can see the connection between him and this item, and I fucking loved that. It was one. It was a perfect setup for that movie. Well, that scene too. Where the girl interviewer is like, should we stop to the doctor? And he's like, no, that's fine. Makes more sense Mm -hmm. knowing that he's crazy. Because he's trying to kind of like bring out and uh, and understand Michael. Yeah. I mean, now that you've explained those things, you know, from that point of view, I can appreciate that storyline more. I just don't like the way that it ended up eventually. It got a little bit corny. But that stuff was interesting having it. I mean, because they do their best to try to explain why it's so coincidental it's like there's something behind it whether it's the doctor whether it's the the eternal attraction between the two characters they try to do a little bit of explaining why the why he is able to basically just beeline straight for Lori. but what i mean his journey there pretty gruesome i mean there's some pretty good kills in this movie and they don't really skimp on them i mean i wouldn't say there's any parts of it that are particularly scary but i did like that they returned to having the shape eyeless because in a lot of the later halloween movies you can just see his eyes pressed up against the the mask holes they they show his eyes through it like once in the movie when he first puts it back on yeah like other than that the angles they use you just see the shadow i thought a good lighting of him just walking in the dark disappearing things like classic things like that but he's also not a huge guy like it's not like they did you know got some wwe wrestler you pulled the jason thing yeah and it wasn't like a rob zombie michael myers where he's this huge hulking guy he just looked like a dude you know you know walking around stabbing people i wasn't a huge fan of the way he moved in this one i felt like he moved really fast you'd think he would move slower because he's older and a little bit more robotic like he's like i noticed the robotic part yeah yeah. and then like you know when you're talking about those scenes where he just walks in the house and he's so quick and he's gone (laughs) it's like oh okay he's so fast Mm. and like yeah, robotic, and I think that maybe has something to do with who's under the the mask because it's not who's Nick Castle the, the whole time. Yeah, yeah you know it's only mean? for a little bit. Yeah. Um, another point that was brought up in that video that I wanted to bring up as a discussion point that I also am not sure that I anywhere close to agree with. Um, so this person brought up that they felt like there was a twist that was put in this movie that could have been more than it was, and that it would have made it a better film. And I disagree with this wholeheartedly. Uh, in the moment where, um where we find out that the doctor takes his heel turn and he pulls out that fucking weird ass little dagger thing. And then he steals the mask. He was saying that he would have preferred if the film had continued on at that point, using Michael Myers as a symbol rather than using him as the killer. May answer that with one simple word. No. Yes. (laughs) I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm going to answer that with somebody watched the Joker, the new Joker movie. And they were like, Hey, the Joker's a symbol. We live in a society. (laughs) (laughs) But like, what if Michael Myers was a symbol? But so if for evil, so if that if that had been the way that the movie went, and we no longer had Michael Myers, it was just the shape. The mask was what basically carried things on. Would you have enjoyed that film? I think that that would have made it too much like Scream esque, where it's about the costume versus. What's underneath? Because, I mean, that's the shape. It is Michael Myers. I mean, Michael Myers, They like, you know the character's name for a reason because right. he's supposed to be a specific person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 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 not something where it works if it's somebody else. And I really don't want them to try, like, a Friday the 13th where they're like, oh, oh yeah, I was yeah, going to say, like, was... like, Jason goes to hell. Yeah. If you give somebody a red and green striped sweater and tell me that that's Freddy Krueger, I'm like, no, that's not Freddy Krueger. 
Yeah. I don't care if his name's Barry Allen. Yeah, his name was <laughs> his name was Jackie Earl Haley that they tried to do that with. Yeah, but you know Jackie I mean? Earl like, Haley was not the problem with that movie. If you've seen him as Rorschach, he is excellent. Yeah. So no, I disagree with that. Yeah. I wanted to go back and talk to about something that you had mentioned is how this movie's not very scary, and especially when you watch them back to back like we did. You see that a lot because the first one still has those tense moments and it's like, this is still scary. And this one kind of does away with that. That opening scene has a little bit to it. The only other part for me that kind of gave me a little bit of a chill was that scene where the, is it Allison and her friend are walking through that field and the motion sensor lights keep flashing on yeah. and off. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, where the fuck is he? That that moment I was like, okay, this is this is kind of scary. Yeah. But that was that was really it. And a little bit in the house, maybe toward the end, but that was a lot more like intense Terminator 2, like a revenge revenge plot kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that and then the scene with the podcaster in the bathroom was like but we had mostly seen that in the trailer. Right. So I already knew the whole teeth dropping thing. But if, was... I, if I hadn't seen it, it's still like I mean still watching it, I thought that scene was, I mean, it's just scary if somebody, if you're pooping and somebody comes <laughs> and starts shaking on the stall, like then nobody, you're gonna finish. <laughs> nobody, nobody ever knocks before they shake the stall. They just go straight up and start shaking it. And so I would have been like, uh, yeah, occupado. <laughs> but <laughs> we don't speak Spanish here in Illinois. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah, but definitely some throwbacks to the original. We get the opening with the pumpkin. Right, where, so. where like it's basically it's the same pumpkin, but it's all decayed because it's been so long, and then yeah. it like, like reinflates. Yeah, and there was a uh, saying we're reinflating the franchise. If you, that's true though. If you wait till the credits, like toward the end, they they give you a little bit of Michael breathing. You get to hear the. Yeah, they didn't do that a lot. Like yeah. they use that soundbite so fucking much in the original, and they don't they use it like. For a nanosecond in this movie. Yeah, I think it's one of those things like the theme song that they maybe feel like they need to wait for very, very specific moments to use it. Right. Music was still great. back, baby. Yeah, and I mean, having Carpenter back to do the music, I mean, what more could you ask for in that respect? I do think there were some scenes that kind of like really tipped their hand to the fact that this was something that like Danny McBride had. I mean, there's a whole scene with two cops just talking about a sandwich in a (laughs) car that has absolutely (laughs) nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It, it, just it, to show those cops today, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, let's have a scene of two cops talking about mundane shit. Yeah, some of the comedy really works, some of it doesn't. That that one in particular wasn't great. I would say the same with uh, characters. Some of the characters work, some of them don't. I felt like any time that it cut back to, and I love, uh, is it Judy Greer? Yeah. I love her in almost everything. Except for the except majority for of this. Except for this movie. I did not like her. We were any, talking about that earlier. Yeah, anytime it cut to her, I, I did not buy her as the character she was supposed to be, especially when you find out more about her character. I didn't expect her to be like a Terminator 2 Sarah Connor type character like Lori was, but I still didn't really buy that character very much. Anytime it cut back to her and her husband, and then even most of the time when it cut back to the daughter or the granddaughter, I was not super engaged except when it was something revolving around like her friend being murdered or whatever, but... If it wasn't on Lori or Michael, I really didn't find get much out of any of the other characters in the movie. I mentioned it to you. I fucking can't stand the storyline with the boyfriend. Just cut him out of the movie. And I think he's supposed to be in the sequels, or at least the next one. But I was like, dude, you do no- you do nothing for this plot. Like, they go to dinner, sure, he doesn't need to be there. He does nothing for that, sen- that scene. And then they're at the party, he all doesn't it- need to be there. Yeah, all it does is just set up that she doesn't have her phone. 
That's it. Yeah, and you could have done that. Someone could have bumped her into a punch bowl or something. You know what I mean? Something just as equally as stupid than him putting it in nacho cheese and kissing some broad. I had literally <laughs> completely forgotten about that storyline until you yeah. brought it up. That's how little yeah. I cared about it. It does nothing for the movie. Could have tightened things up just a tad. Yeah, I think that I I won't blame outright blame Judy Greer for how bad her performance <laughs> was. Because um, obviously someone's behind the camera. Someone can say, hey, can you give me a different take where you know you sound like you're a living human? Yeah. You know, and it would have been better. But she, everything is just like, I was, I have PTSD. My mom made me do all these things to learn how to be a survivalist when I was 12. And then they took me away. And it's like. I mean, there's literally a scene where it's exactly that. Where yeah. she has to explain. She has to info dump her backstory to her daughter. Right. And it literally comes out of like, I felt like I had missed something in the movie where it got us to that point. I do like I liked that scene with Lori coming to dinner and she's drinking heavily and and I liked I really liked that they took that route with her story in general. She's strong in the movie. Jamie Lee Curtis is great in the movie and all the stuff with her was what we wanted to see. I felt like mm-hmm. she had all the Home Alone set up, like <laughs> booby traps and everything that were really really cool to see. Like and, and that gets me into thinking like, oh, if I was defending against Michael Myers, what would I do to my house? You know, yeah. and even my brother was like, why doesn't she have like metal shutters over the window? You know, and he was getting into it yeah. also like um, and then when they were doing their whole back and forth and running around, there's the scene that does the reversal where she like tumbles out the window and she falls. And then when she disappeared, my brother was like, it's the reverse. <laughs> Most of that scene is the reverse, right? Yeah. She's looking in the closet for him. Yeah. She pops out from the shadows. I loved um, all that. I was very irritated, though, that we get these, like, montages of them all shooting guns and her being, like, this great sharpshooter, and then not once fucking shoots him in the head. It's yeah. like, bro, shoot him in the goddamn head. You just showed us a clip of you shooting paper in the head six times in the shoot same spot. In the head. Yeah. So I was like, ah, whatever. I'm going to say, though, oh, Lori can still get it, though. Yeah. Oh, that scene when she blasts his hand off? Super dope. Yeah. Gruesome. This movie is gruesome. And that's another thing I wanted to ask you guys about. So we get this scene where he kills this kid on a bus. Oh, yeah. Which is like, oh, fuck. But then why not kill the baby? And the only thing I can think of is the baby's not a threat, necessarily. The kid has a gun. Yeah, maybe. So he's a threat. But then he kills random victims the whole time. So... I can't really justify why not kill it. Like, not that I wanted to see this guy kill the baby. Sounds like you wanted a baby to get killed. <laughs> but to me, it just I mean, it seemed out of character if he's pure evil. I think I think that it's filmmaking. I think that it's once you get to the point where you've got a dude killing babies, I think that I think that you potentially uh, suffer the consequences of potentially getting bumped up. But he's pure evil. I mean, like <laughs> my argument is, don't put the baby in the scene. Yeah. yeah. But they did nothing. It just was weird because it's like, well, are we supposed to believe that there's some redeeming quality to Michael? Yeah. Like, oh, that baby's cute. And then fucking just keep yeah. going. Yeah. Come on. Because yeah, he's I mean, pure evil. And that's what you. Well, I mean, that's are what you. Are you going to say he's pure evil? Are you going to say he's pure evil? Pure evil. What is he? Pure evil. <laughs> Wait, hold up. What was he? Pure, pure evil. <laughs> um, One other storyline that we didn't talk about that we can touch on briefly because I actually thought it was pretty good was the. I mean,. It, Maybe drags out the movie a little bit, but, but the babysitter and the little kid. and So good. Like when she, I mean, you saw it in the trailer, but the scene when she pushes the door and it won't close for his closet and then it, Michael's in there is scary. Her whole death and that whole thing is really scary. Oh, she's fucking dragging her nails on the yeah. Well, wood. And it, it takes things that you know are going to happen anyway, references them, right? So it's a little bit self-referential. And then it like plays with that idea where he's like, no, have him go up first. 
And he's like, you go up there, you're going to die. And the kid gets out, right? And then she's like, there's nothing in your closet. And you're like, okay, yeah, there's not going to be anything in there. There's never anything in there. And then it is. Like, it plays, like you were saying, it subverts your expectations and plays with the ideas that are already present in these types of movies. It, to me, the whole thing felt like it would be the first five minutes of a Scream movie. Yeah. And, totally. and and they wanted to do, like, the babysitter murder thing, but with a kid who's actually pretty smart, which I liked, and he wasn't over... Oh, fuck! Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't overbearing, which I, I, I liked. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that was Alex a cool uh, throwback, too, was that they referenced the original events of Halloween as the babysitter murders, yeah. which was the title, the title of the original movie, yeah. And then there's also a brief uh, clip of the Halloween 3 masks. Pimpin! Hey! <laughs> Uh, so that was really cool too. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a little bit of a mixed bag, but yeah. I think that there's more good here than there is bad. And I think that even though there were parts of it where I was like, "Okay, let's get through this," because I know there's more good things coming, it still delivers on what it needed to do. And I think that if we can get maybe a little bit better of a performance from Judy Greer. <laughs> And we can get more of that action between Laurie and Michael. I think that the sequel will do well. I honestly would have been fine if this was the last movie. Agreed. It was good. But if they have a good idea right. and they think they can make it work, sign me up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see it no matter what. No, totally. But I think that I want this to be perfect. And I don't think that it's ever going to happen again. Because this movie was not perfect. At the same time, David Gordon Green has a little bit more experience now doing a horror movie, so I'm hoping that that will give him a little bit more traction for what to do next. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they... They just gotta take it... I don't know. It's tough. It's tough with these franchises because I'm on the one hand, I'm like, they just gotta take it in a different direction, but on the other hand, when people have tried to take this franchise in different directions, it's been pretty abysmal, or it's been alright, like the Rob Zombie stuff was alright to a point, and then pretty abysmal. So I just feel like Again, there's not, I mean, there really just isn't a lot of tape to run yeah. uh, with Halloween anymore. And then they did a pretty decent job with this movie that didn't need to exist. It didn't need to be a conversation of, oh, are you talking about Halloween or are you talking about Halloween? Or are you talking, talking about, about Halloween? Halloween? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't really care too much about the fact that there's going to be sequels. I'll obviously see them. But this was. Like you said, John, not a perfect movie. It is probably why it took me so long to rewatch it is because I really didn't know whether I liked it or not. I can say now, yeah, I liked it. I'd recommend it. Um, it's fun, especially if you're watching it alongside the first one. And it's not necessarily a movie I would watch every year for Halloween. No. Yeah. It was just, it was cool to go back to it a year later now. Right. And then check it out now. I think um, I've been feeling like this for a while and this kind of more or less solidified it for me is that the slasher genre just can't be scary anymore and this movie i feel like was a good movie and it was a good slasher movie it's just not scary and i think it's hard and maybe it's just because i've had so much experience with it mm -hmm. hard to make that genre scary again you know what i mean like we can go back and watch old stuff and those are still scary but i just can't remember the last time i saw a slasher and was like "Ooh, that's pretty scary yeah i think horror that works these days is getting a lot more um nuanced and internal yeah and it's a lot more about like the human condition than it is about some dude with a knife. Yeah, your hereditaries, your lighthouses, your um, uh, shit, midsummer. Yeah, your midsummer's. Midsummer. Midsummer. 
We, yeah. we, we've already said we're not calling it on this show. <laughs> uh, if you want further discussion about how we feel about Halloween, John and I did a Halloween episode last year that goes into it even more. And we probably covered a very similar points. And, and I was a, there in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got to do it because I've been hosting this episode. Um, but yeah, so if you want to check that out, it is somewhere in the lexicon of our uh, our episodes. I want to say it's like a bonus episode between five and six, I think. Because yeah. uh, we, we released that on Halloween as a bonus episode. Uh, but... That's going to wrap it up for our 31 Tarot So, let's go ahead and talk about our watch lists. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some video tape. I'll keep it quick because uh, we're going a little bit long on this one. But uh, I started watching Castle Rock oh, nice. for your recommendation. And I got to the episode that's... Have you seen the first season? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one that's heavily focused on his mom? Yeah. It's the and, best episode. Oh, my God, dude. So good. At first, I was like, oh, cool, whatever. And then, like, it started picking up. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, that episode hit me. And then it has a song toward the end that sounds a lot like one of the songs from Arrival. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, God damn it. I even looked it up to see if it was the same song. It's not. But I was like, mm, this sounds a lot like that. But that episode in particular uh, blew me away. Yeah. And it's the highest rated episode. I was looking through IMDb just to just to see. And yeah, it was the highest rated episode. I was like, oh my God. So it's pretty good. It's got some creepy stuff. Skarsgård is just as good as this. If you liked him in it, I've liked him more in this because he's just big and like stock. Yeah. And like <laughs> not stocky, but he stocks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, I haven't finished the first season, but I'm pretty into it. So I would definitely recommend that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. I haven't checked out the, um, the misery season yet but I, I might have to catch up on that and add that to a watch list later yeah i haven't i haven't watched any of it but it's definitely something that's been on my radar uh, now that we're done with watching all these movies i might throw something like that on um i have uh, been continuing watching the watchman uh and i'm really having a great time with it i think that uh, it, the production values are just incredible it's definitely worth the watch um listen we'll find out how redeeming it all is uh, at the end if it's if it uh, manages to stick the landing and be something i'd like to see continue but i love that they're digging more into this world yeah and then i'm also going to recommend a tv show that i've been watching um for those of you who have been following along we are in the final season of mr robot um there are about i think there are like four or five episodes out already um of the season it's moving pretty quick I watched episode two the other night, and boy, this show never ceases to impress me, and it, it always drops completely off my radar. I mean, the most it was on my radar was Rami Malek becoming huge in between the last season and this season with being right. an Oscar winner now, but damn, like when it gets back into it, it hits the ground running this season, That's and great. it's it, it, I did the same thing this season that I did last season, which is... I can't go back and rewatch them. I don't have the time. So I just have to hope that I remember all the crazy shit that happened <laughs> based on the previously ons. And I really don't. So it's like piecing last season together while I'm watching this season. But some of the, they just always find new ways to play with the, the central conceit of the show mm-hmm. that I won't spoil for anybody who hasn't seen Mr. Robot. But the big reveal that they do in the first season that carries on through, they just keep finding ways to make that interesting mm-hmm. and adding to that 
almost like it has its own mythology now you understand how the, the like mr robot and and elliot work together and apart and all this stuff and it, it's really cool um and it just gets keeps getting bigger and bigger without getting as crazy complicated as season two did so far it seems to be like be keeping an even keel I'm only a couple episodes in, but the performances are it's gotta go out with the fantastic. Yeah, and from what I've seen from reviews and things ahead of time, it sounds like it does. So I'm I'll be sad to see it go, but I'm super excited for the ride. I like that they're doing four, keeping it tight. This is the story; it's over. You know what I mean? And I, I wanted to further um, talk about what you were saying is, you know, you watch the first season, you're like, holy shit, that was so good. That's some of the best TV I've ever seen. Right? How could they top that? And then you watch season two, and you're like, holy shit. That was some of the best TV I've ever seen. How could they top that? And it just keeps surprising me, like you were saying. And it's a show that I don't feel like gets enough love. It doesn't show – I never hear people talk about it until it's happening, and then you hear a little bit of buzz. But it's a show that I feel like stands up there with some of my favorite TV shows. I know two people that have watched it. Yeah, it, it's crazy, and I, I think you I don't – me. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say because I haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't know if it's because it's a USA show, but, I mean, for a USA show, it – really goes for it and it's it does not feel at all like it belongs on that network it never has it's probably the it, best thing that they've done yeah dramatically it, it transcends it and it just feels like it 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 depending on how the season goes it could rank up there with stuff like breaking bad in terms of like being some of my favorite tv that i've ever seen right. yeah so that's gonna wrap it up for our watch lists for this week aside from if you want to listen to next week's episode you should check out terminator dark fate because we are going to be talking about it at length <laughs> um, Come on, Mom! <laughs> oh Hasta la vista. <laughs> awesome. yeah, that's the part I'm most excited about is the fucking one liners from Arnold. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, we'll cross our fingers, hope that those things happen. The hell is uh, broccoli anyway? <laughs> uh, as of right now, uh, before it's been released, it is getting half decent reviews, which is more than you can say about any Terminator release after T2. So. I'm really hoping this is going to be a cool thing, but we will be talking about that next week. And that's going to wrap it up. Uh, it's been a, an interesting ride episode, uh, and I've had a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited to get back into a little bit more of the sci-fi. Don't get me wrong, the thing that we've been doing this week, I don't want to get booze, so I'm not going to say the title of it, but it has been fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a good journey this year. A lot of ups and a lot of downs. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of booze. Peaks and valleys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I can't. I'm I'm still looking forward to it, and I have ideas for next year already, and uh, I'm I'm definitely ready to jump into a little bit more sci-fi and kind of change pace a little bit. Hey, we got to diversify our portfolio. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> definitely been a gauntlet, that's for sure. All right, guys, so that's the end. We will see you next week with Terminator: Dark Fate. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Keep it creepy. And who was fun? <laughs> <laughs> You can find Porcelain Peak on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Wherever you listen, don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe so you never miss a spine-tingling episode. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at PorcelainPeak.com for additional content. Special thanks to Randy Greer for composing the Porcelain Peak intro music and to Anthony Silva for designing the Porcelain Peak logo. All episodes and additional content is hosted, written, produced, designed, and edited by the Porson Peak team, consisting of Anthony Perez, John Brasher, and Anthony Silva.
this has been here for this fair a weirdos production. They flew me out, had a microwave full of Totino's pizza rolls. <laughs> <laughs>